Welcome to the Digital Dialogue. Today, I have the wonderful Michael Evans with me. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Michael. Now, uh, Michael has an extraordinary privilege has been bestowed upon you because you're a particularly clever QUT graduate student. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're off to do as your inventor in October? Yeah, so recently I was fortunate enough to be selected as an Australian Youth Delegate and Global Voices Scholar to the World Bank IMF Annual Meeting. Um, so I'll be conducting a policy research and attending the meetings to see what Australia's role is uh, on the global level and to see how the World Bank and IMF is looking at AI and automation and policies around that. <gasps> Love it. Clever, clever. So Michael Evans has joined the PwC Chair in the Digital Economy to help share some of his great expertise in the area of artificial intelligence um, and automation and the impact that'll have on our economy. So we're really privileged to sit down and spend a few minutes with you today, Michael, and just explore the topic. Uh, you know, artificial intelligence, automation, nature of work, yep. it does sometimes alarm people. You know, what can we tell our listeners about, you know, what are you seeing at a policy level or what do you see as the pathway forward? Yep, so it is a serious issue that does need to be discussed, so everyone's rightly, you know, paying attention to it. Um, you don't need to be alarmed at the moment, but what my policy tries to underscore is the importance of creating effective public policy uh, and engagements around what the future is going to look like. So how do we deal with the transition of jobs? How do we deal with the, you know, potential impact it might have on taxation and revenues and social policy um, programs? But I think at the moment what we can do from a policy level is we need to start thinking about these problems at the federal level. Mm. Um, so if you look at Australia comparative to the US, UK or China, um, we're substantially lagging behind in our investment and in our um, innovation around that area. So when you say we're lagging, um, is the government in those other countries actually putting hard cold cash or are they putting expertise on the table? Are they having broader discussions? So Tell me how that's materialising. Yeah. So it's a bit of both. So if you look at the US under the Obama administration, um, they commissioned a lengthy re two reports actually on artificial intelligence and how it's going to impact America. Um, and one of the things that they did identify there was a gap in talent. So they worked around how can we identify, attract and retain talent in AI and the mm. public policy sphere, um, as well as allocating some money. Um, so if I think Obama in one of his statements said, if you look at how much they spent in going to the moon oh, as a percentage of GDP, it works out to around $80 billion a year at the moment. Uh, and China's also realised the problem, particularly being a manufacturing economy, mm. that automation is going to have a substantial impact on them. So one of the things that they're doing is really engaging and throwing money at the research and innovation around this area to see what works, what doesn't, and how they can change around that. Mm. Um, so from a domestic point of view, I think we do need to increase our funding. Uh, obviously, it's a solution to all problems, but it should be a priority moving forward. Um, mm. I believe there's a report in 2015 that Australia had only allocated $190 million over four years. Right. Um, based off the UK model, who are about $3 billion for the same level. Um, and you know, their economy is only roughly twice the size of ours. So we're a bit behind in the funding area, but it's also the focus and bringing it into the public spotlight to kind of bring people together to think about what's our society going to be like, mm. um, how these changes going to impact us as individuals, as organisations, or you know, as members of government. So how would you, you've done a lot of research in this area now. What are some things you're seeing either overseas or that you're learning from your research that would help individuals, cor corporations, or governments in what should we be doing now? Yeah, so I guess it's a different answer for each of those kind of groups. Mm. Um, all of them should be paying attention and looking into the opportunities uh, and impacts that it may have. From an individual perspective, you can look at, you know, what are the roles of the future 
where can we invest and retrain ourselves, uh, as well as identify what are some of those roles that are at risk. So you can be prepared and give yourself time to retrain and look at the new opportunities before you. Uh, from an organisational point of view, it really is about having that adaptive strategy. So not having you know a strategy that's built off 12 month time frame that you review quarterly, but looking at a global level to see what's the technology around and how is it going to impact your organisation. Mm. Uh, from a government perspective, it's taken a bit more of a macro look at it um, to say, you know, how is it going to impact our employment, our taxation revenues, social support programs. Uh, and one of the things that government can do is really just try and foster teams and create um, a collaborative environment in which everyone's thinking about this issue and thinking about it forward. Um, there's no overnight answer to these questions. They mm. may take five, ten years. Um, so we need to start thinking about it now before it's too late. Because at, at a level, this is a transformative impact on our society as opposed to our government. Yeah. Right, so it is a discussion that needs to be held that will question how we live, how we work, how we play. You know, what is your research telling you about how much impact AI and automation will have on the nature of how we live our lives? Yeah, so I guess it comes in a few different um, areas. So at the moment, you know, we kind of define a lot of our lives around this full-time work mm. um, and, you know, having that career. And that being 40 to 80 yeah. hours a week. Right? Exactly. So it varies greatly in there. Um, but in the future, we need to kind of say, well, are we really going to need to work five days a week? or can we maybe shift that to account for the roles and maybe work two or three days a week and have a bit more leisure time? Well, I would say most Australians would say yes, as long as I can maintain my lifestyle. Yeah. So what's on the other side of the ledger from artificial intelligence and automation that might help us lower our cost of living but maybe improve our quality of life? Yeah, so on the flip side of you know the impact on jobs is you have this tremendous efficiency and gains in productivity that we'll see through AI. So it may be in the future that the same amount of money that you have today gets you a far better quality of life. So you don't need to work those extra two days because advances in medicine have improved your medical care, your life expectancy. Uh, innovations in agriculture have increased yields to reduce hunger in our societies. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of potential there. It's just about creating the frameworks and policies mm. that can get us there. Uh, you know, the best scenario isn't necessarily what's going to happen in default. Uh, we need to actively and willingly create the society that we want, mm. and that discussion should start now. Yeah, and there's also the element of uh, when you're looking at people get a lot of self-esteem from you know what do you do, what is your job, and that amount of time. I mean, I really enjoy work. Um, so the element of doing far less of that, how does that psychologically, how do people define themselves? Yeah, so that is something that we all kind of personally need to look at, mm. is where do we get value from in our life? Um, now, the advances in AI and automation doesn't mean that we can't pursue things that we're really interested in. Uh, it may even just mean that all the, you know, the laborious administrative side of it is no longer relevant. So you can spend more time on what you're wanting. Mm. Um, it just may not be that that is how you get your primary way of earnings or you know, that's your sole focus in life. Mm. It just may free you up to do a bit more of what you actually want to do. Mm. Um, but again, that does come down to us having those policies and frameworks in place to ensure that we don't go the other way. We don't go the way where people don't have a job and don't have those opportunities at the same time. Yeah, okay. Um, which brings in things like the universal income discussions, I guess, about should everyone in the economy you know, have a universal income and should we get rid of a lot of clutter? Um, it also brings in the globalisation factor. You know, how much of this will Australians be part of and how much might we be part of a global movement that yep. can suddenly own you know, how we do a particular sector? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we need to look for as an economic basis for Australia is becoming a leader rather than a quick adapter. Mm -hmm. um, so invest. Do you think we're a quick adapter right now? I think we do have some breakthroughs, and okay. we definitely have our status in the world. 
Uh, but when it comes to technology such as artificial intelligence and automation, we need to be very cognizant of the fact that a technology can be developed in France that could maybe wipe out an industry in Australia. Mm. Um, so ensuring we're at the forefront of that research is a real priority. Now you mentioned uh, things such as a universal basic income or potentially taxing robots or the like. And I do think that in the future we will need some wealth transfer effect um, just to make sure that that transition period is as smooth as possible. Mm. Uh, what or just setting the right, I mean policy, public policy is really always about creating um, incentives or disincentives for different behaviours by yep. corporations or individuals, right? Yep. So what kind of incentives or disincentives might you place, for instance, in organisations? Yeah, so one thing that we could look at is how do we incentivise businesses to be a bit more transparent about their um, workforce strategies? So if there's a technology that's been invented that's going to result in some people losing their jobs, how do we incentivise organisations to give enough notice for those people to retrain? Or do we have a scenario where they're involved in the retraining of their staff so right. that we have maybe a bank of learning funds for someone going out through their career? Yeah, okay. Or a substantial place where learning is free for particular professions that will lead us down there. Yeah. I still have a profound optimism about Australia. You know, I spent most of my life around the world in either America or Middle East or Europe. And I come back to Australia and I think one of the things we do particularly well is we have this natural ingenuity of yep. problem solving at a very practical level it's very applied um, we've not been terribly good at how we commercialize that on a global scale so perhaps the mixture needs to be we could sit here and surf with the algorithms of the world run yeah. by Australians but we need to get a little bit higher up the chain in terms of commercialization yeah definitely there's tremendous opportunities for Australia and we could be leading the world in this area um, but as you say it's just about creating that approach and ensuring that we're all on the same page a mm. little part of the discussion uh, you know, it's easy to be a bit pessimistic about this, but there's also a tremendous opportunity. Um, and it's just about making sure that we capitalise on that. So Michael, I could talk all day to you. This so is such I. a fascinating topic. And it really is a, a topic that we want to explore more and in more depth. I'd love you to come back and do another dialogue after Definitely. you come back from the World Bank. And uh, you, you've got those global connections about how all the other you know areas around the world are working. Yep. Um, why don't you leave us with a couple of optimistic notes? What, tell us about some of the jobs of the future that you'd be excited to be involved yeah. with. So, I mean, along with the ones that are pulling back, we could have robotic ethicists. Uh, AI implementation consultants, um, you could have managers of truck fleets rather than truck drivers. So there is a lot of potential in the jobs that we can create and they can be interesting and they can be fun and intuitive. Um, and yeah, so we really just need to make sure that we're open to change. Excellent. Michael Evans, um, you can follow him on uh, our website. We'll have a link to Michael's details on his website then. Thank you very much. This has been the Digital Dialogue.